Yo, check us out. Chuck, the public enemy. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Z-Man. What up, dog? This is Esha. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This your boy, DJ Paul KOL for 36 Young Busy Bone. Vice World. This your man, Matt Smine, the hell raise up. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you're listening to me on the Murder Master Music Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Murder Master Music Show. This is episode 832. Uh, we're bringing on uh, a special guest tonight, one that's uh, actually already been on the show before a couple years back. Um, I'm talking about the one and only legendary Phyllis Pollock. But before I bring her on, I want to tell you a little bit about her. She uh, not only uh, was the publicist for NWA and Eazy-E, but uh, you know, also the Ghetto Boys and you know, so many other artists. I worked with her over the years uh, when I was writing for Murder Dog, and um, just an incredible individual. So I'm so honored to have her back on the show. She's going to actually make, be making an appearance on Wii TV real soon, uh, a documentary about Eazy-E. I believe it's called The Mysterious Death of Eazy-E. We're going to talk about that and uh, some more stuff. So let me bring her on real quick. Uh, Phyllis, you there? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Great, great. Uh, it's uh, I'm in L.A. here, and it's uh, about 6 o'clock at night, and it's still 93 degrees out. Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, can now you hear I me? Now I can. I, th- I think... Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, connection. But yeah, you guys are dealing with fire. You know what? Maybe can you, maybe Yeah, it might be my uh I have a Bluetooth in and maybe I should uh take it off Bluetooth. Hang on a second, okay? 
Okay. All right. Hang on. Hopefully it won't disconnect the call. You there? Yeah, I, I you hear there? you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, no, you guys are dealing with all kinds of stuff, fires and, um, you know, it's it's pretty bad right now. Is it real smoky yeah. out there? I mean, hard to breathe? Uh, not really. I mean, it's been a lot worse out here. It's, you know, out where I am, it's been a lot worse than it is right now. But uh, when it's really hot, it's our fire season, and there's always some idiot that throws a, a lit cigarette butt out somewhere. And, you know, it's just the fires are so hard to put out, and they just spread so far. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, last time we talked, there was no pandemic. Um, how have you and yours been holding up during this uh, these crazy times? Oh, pretty well, pretty well. Um, I didn't expect this uh, break in life to be so long, but, uh, you know, hopefully everyone will get vaccinated and we can end this stupid thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, too many under political possession right now. Yeah, uh, a lot of ignorance out there and defiance uh, that's just stupid. I mean, people want their freedom, like F-R-E-E hyphen D-U-M-B, their freedom. So, you know, the rest of us are having to deal with this pandemic, you know, uh, which should be over by now, you know, but. I don't know. People want to keep the pandemic going by not getting vaccinated and, you know, not wearing masks and spreading it around. So, you know, it puts everyone in a really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Phyllis. Did I lose you? Yeah. I'm yeah, here. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, um, last time we talked, uh, you know, we had a, a wonderful conversation, um, and uh, I saw you the other day on TV on a commercial. I was shocked. I was like, wow. Um, for WE TV, uh, I think it was called The Mysterious Death of Easy E, which is a, a docu-series. Right. And right. Um, you being his publicist, you knew him on a daily basis. You worked with him every day, and you were friends with him. Um so it, it's it's. I'm glad they got your input because they did it for straight out of Compton, which they should have, and for other things I would imagine. Um, what 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 can you what can you tell me well, about I this think, new uh, well, Weed Street TV show? Was, that straight out of Compton, the film was Tamika's thing, and uh, you know Tamika didn't work at Ruthless when Eric was alive, so you know there were probably a few people. Maybe she didn't know about or whatever, you know. And I think it was more written uh, for her, you know. I mean, she oversaw it, and, you know, it was her thing, you know, which I'm sure if Eric was with us, his version of it would be totally different in certain ways. Well, I would imagine he would want, to have the input from, like I said, those who saw him on a daily basis for years, you know, yeah. um, 
that would only make sense. It seems like, yeah, it was yeah. definitely told from her perspective, the Cubes and uh, Dre's more so than uh, Easy Red and Yellow. Yeah, it was, a, you know, some of it was obviously kind of a PR thing, you know, how people wanted to be presented, you know, uh, than, you know, a literal thing of how things actually went down. There was a lot left out in the film. Uh, they didn't even showcase, uh, uh, you know, 187 Um Killer, you know, um, Easy E, Real Motherfucking G's, none of that stuff. Bone was hardly mentioned in it. And Bone's like the most, uh, one of the highest selling, not just rap groups, but groups of all time. It's like, right. how can you and not mention these guys? Yeah, you know? and, uh, you know, Easy wasn't crying and walking around around all depressed after Dre left. It just wasn't that way, the way that it was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, I mean, you, it seems to me like he was doing great. I mean, he just dropped another double platinum album, um, and then Bone just sold, like, what, four or five million off that first EP? Um, yeah. So he was doing phenomenal. Album. Yeah, he was working on a double album. And uh, he had a lot of different guests he wanted on it and all that. So he he had a lot, you know, he was working on a lot of different things. Well, uh, before we get into the TV show, let me ask you this, because a lot of people always ask me about this. Did Easy have a briefcase of um, unreleased music, uh, solo tracks and verses that he had that somehow got displaced or, or stolen or whatever? Is there some Easy E songs out there that you know of? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really know that much about it. I know the FBI investigated. But I don't know if anything was found. You know, I don't know that anything was found. If you could estimate, how much was it? I mean, was it uh, an album's worth, oh, a few God, albums? I don't know. I mean, I think there was a, probably a lot of unfinished stuff. But uh, And then some of it might have just been music, you know, that uh, and no lyrics. It's never surfaced in bootlegs. It's never surfaced at all. So I, I don't really know. And, I mean, the tapes could have been other people, too, because don't forget, um, Easy had a lot of different artists on that label. And uh, there were uh, people that were approaching him and giving him tapes. So... Uh, I the way I think it probably was is there was a lot of different stuff in that briefcase. Yeah, probably going back to the beginning. I mean, um, we had Crazy D on the show. He played a uh, um, just about thirty seconds of a song that he had on a tape that Easy gave him, and um, it was uh, it was so cool to hear. But it was definitely from that '87 era. Like right when they were yeah. uh, still doing the McCola stuff, so he might have had stuff yeah. from '87 all the way up until his death, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he played me stuff that, uh, yeah, he played me, he'd come over and play me tapes all the time and ask me what I thought of them. Can you work this record? Do you think you can get good publicity for it? Would he say no, stuff no, like no, that? No, no, no. Just that. wanted he your opinion. He didn't put things out. He didn't put releases out just to get publicity or reaction. He'd, you know, he'd, he'd ask me what I thought about him, and I'd tell him, you know, what I liked or didn't like. or, But there wasn't anything I didn't like, you know. But, you know, he just asked me my opinion and what I thought of him. Yeah. Well, that's, it's interesting to know that, um, you know, there could be stuff out there. You know, let's hope something resurfaces. Well, um, it's been so long. I don't think it's going to happen because I think anything, I mean, okay, going back to when Tupac died, um, there was, if you remember, uh, there were all of these quote-unquote Machiavelli bootlegs coming out, Machiavelli 1, oh, Machiavelli yeah. 2, Machiavelli, I don't remember. I think it went up to 23, I can't remember. Uh, but, you know, there was all of that coming in or coming out. Uh, all the swap meets, you know, all over the country. And then sometimes, uh, you know, there would be something coming out of, say, Mississippi, and it was just the same songs but in a different order. You know, or, you know, different combinations of the different bootlegs, you know. But that was really immediate, you know, after Tupac died. That was very quickly after he died. But with Eric, you know, it's been, you know, a really long time. And I just think if anything was going to come out, it would have happened already. Yeah, yeah. Unless unless there's somebody out there twisted enough to hold it for ransom which that could be a possibility, too. But we just don't know. There's too many yeah, what-ifs. Yeah, we don't know. Let's hope, we, let's hope someday they get out there. And you know what would be a great thing? If um, the music is found and it benefits his kids and grandkids, that would be a wonderful thing. That's wishful thinking. Yeah, though. I don't think that's going to happen, but, uh, yeah, wishful it would thing. be nice. Um, but, yeah, which brings me now, uh, Phyllis, you know, um, you were uh, uh, Easy's publicist, the, the you know, NWA's publicist, the whole label. Um, and here we are, uh, 2021. EB well, has a, a, a TV show. I worked a lot of. I worked a lot of the different artists on the label. I didn't work all of them, but different ones. Yeah, but you you did like uh, uh, the the big ones, like Easy does it straight out of Compton. Um, yeah. For life, you know. Um, DOC, I would imagine. Um, but I did now, the EP. I did the you EP, did the and I did uh, and straight out of Compton. I didn't do for life, but I did write the liner notes on the. Um, I think it was the twentieth anniversary version of it. I wrote the liner notes. Yeah, I got that right here in my collection, and. Um, very very nice piece because that 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 reissue came with a hundred miles of running too. They put them both together, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right. Uh, Priority did but, press for uh, for life. But um, here we are, 2021, and this this Wheat TV uh, mysterious death of Easy E comes out, 
and uh, I saw you in the commercial. I believe you were playing the tape of Easy es final yeah. interview for his daughter, Evie. Uh, tell us about this uh, this documentary, docu-series, and what it was like to be a part of it. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm speaking as someone who hasn't seen it, and there were an awful lot of people in it. Um, I, I know that, uh, you know, of course, all of this is, everything gets edited after it's filmed. We, we were filming, uh, and the pandemic started. And so we had to quit, uh, filming because, uh, of, you know, the virus. And we had a lot of people in a room. You know, we, you have the lighting, you know, whoever's doing lighting. You have the producer, the, you know, the director, the AD, you know, assistant director. You've got, uh, you know, I don't remember if there was a props person, but you've got, you know, your guy with the sound with the boom mic. You've got, you know, all kinds of people on the set. So uh, there was just no way we could continue because there were scenes that there were a lot of people in it uh, in the room. So even if there were maybe only two people on camera, so we had to quit filming uh, early. Mm. Um, Yeah. And uh, it was put together by a producer named Jeff Dawson, who's done an awful lot of stuff. I don't know all his credits, but, uh, I know the chair I was initially sitting in there, Ozzy was sitting in there when he did the show about Ozzy and his son, uh, Jack Osborne, when they went to uh, Africa, the safari thing they did. Oh, wow. But um, I know he's done a lot of different stuff. Uh, yeah, it was the chair I was sitting in, he had, you know, Ozzy was sitting in when he interviewed Ozzy. But... Um, Oh, gosh, there are a lot of people in this thing that were close to Eric. And essentially, you know, it's E.B., you know, Eric's daughter, E.B.'s daughter, uh, trying to find out, you know, what happened. And it just looks at a lot of the different possibilities uh, that could have happened, you know, at the end. And just some of the things Eric was going through. There's a lot about Eric himself in the show, um, which I think a lot of people are going to find really interesting. Um, Just kind of, you know, I think people will feel after they watch the show that they know uh, Eric a little, uh, easy a little bit better. Oh, that's good. That's good because his fans, we all just like his, well, obviously not nowhere near like his family and friends. But we feel deprived, you know. We've only had him in our lives for a short amount of time, just like Tupac. And uh, right. anytime you get to know more information about them, that's a plus. Um, uh-huh. What was he like on a daily basis, just working with him, or just being friends with him? Oh gosh, oh, there's so many things I could say. He had a really amazing sense of humor. That's definitely the case. Um, he was really funny. 
Um, he also was a really hard worker. And he always had, like, three phones in his, you know, he'd have three phones at one time, and he was always on the phone. Uh, it was always ringing, you know. Uh, he smoked more weed than anyone else I ever knew in my life. Uh, <laughs> Even more than uh, uh, Willie Nelson? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was very involved in his projects. Like, I've worked with a lot of artists, and I'd say uh-huh. he was the most hands-on as far as business of any other artist I ever knew. Very, you know, each, I don't know any other artist that would show up to marketing meetings and all this. It, he wanted to know everything that was going on, and he really did listen. Uh, he wanted, he would... Uh, he wasn't one of these people that was like, I'm going to control everything. You know, he'd let people come up with ideas, and he never tried to micromanage people. Uh, well, I think part of it was he trusted the people that were working with him, you know. So, you know, it wasn't like he felt, you know, he had to tell people what to do, you know. He, he knew that the people around him knew what they were doing, you know. And... uh you know, it was just really great. Uh, you know, he was also, he did care about people. Um, he was very charitable. He gave a lot of money to charity and uh, helping people, uh, even if people didn't know about it. You know, he wasn't one of these people that would, like, give a lot of money to something and then call the press, you know, about it. You know, he did a lot of things on the DL to help people. And that that's something I think his fans would really find interesting because it shows you that side of him where he cared. Like, I've seen uh, uh, or heard stories, you know, that he would do a lot with the Make-A-Wish Foundation with, you know, kids who were terminal. Um, yeah. You know, that takes a, a lot of strength and courage to be able to do that because you know these kids who want to spend their – one of their last days with you, they're going to be gone soon. Um, right. Did he? Did that ever? Did he ever show signs of that ever affecting him? Uh, what do you mean affecting him? Like as far as you know, well, like I said, you get close to a kid. Um, uh, you know. No, I think the, he other people to do it too. I mean, I think he wanted. You know other people to help out in these causes, too, uh, and make people aware of them, you know. And it's funny because, you know, people would say, this is back in the day, keep in mind, everybody, uh, you know, hip-hop wasn't the big uh, mainstream, you know, commercialized thing it is now, uh, particularly NWA and Easy, no less. But, you know, people had this, uh, a lot of people had this stereotype about so-called quote-unquote gangster rappers and, you know, Eric was out doing a lot of good stuff for people, you know. Uh, It wasn't like, you know, he was just some thug or something like that, you know. He he really was community-minded, you know. Uh, Keep in mind where he grew up, you know. I mean, he grew up in Compton and you know, there was a lot he wanted to change, you know, in a positive way. And, 
but one of his causes was terminal kids. Oh. You take him to, like, uh, theme parks and things like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd spend money on him too. Yeah. And uh, I think he liked that because it was like, he wasn't like just feeling sorry for some kid that was going to die kind of thing. You know, he'd, you know, uh, spend time with that kid, make the kid feel important, you know, take him around, have a good time with them and all that kind of thing. So, uh, and I think that really means a lot to a kid instead of just, you know, oh, here's a check for some, you know, charity, you know, to actually make it personal. Yeah. Where you're affecting somebody's life on a deeper level, too, besides, you know, contributing. Yeah. Give them an experience that they'll never forget and... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've seen yeah. like pictures of him and uh, he dressed as a cowboy, you know, just playing playing with the kids. Um, yeah, just, just doing he, all um, kinds of different fun things. Yeah, he had a kid he visited in Chicago all the time, and did stuff with. That oh, he was, became uh, friends, terminal pretty good friends with cancer. Him? Yeah, um, they they passed. He passed away, you know, but, yeah, Eric saw this kid a lot. Mm. Yeah, I imagine uh, they they were real close. It had to have been horrible. Um, did he ever bring any, yeah. any uh, kids up to, to the offices at Ruthless? Show them around? I don't remember like... that ever happening, but there wasn't really anything exciting up at the office. You know, unless you wanted to look at the plaque, you know, there wasn't really, you know, anything real interesting about the office itself. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what was it the, like the uh, working was, in the office? Yeah. Pardon me? What was it like working in that office, though? Just, With, uh, you know, Jerry and everybody. Um, on a normal day. It was just, uh, I don't know, I, to me it wasn't like some big dramatic thing. I mean, I know there were offices I saw a lot of drama happen in. Yeah, there was a time when there was some drama at the office, but it wasn't like that was the everyday thing, you know. It was just yeah. a regular office, you know. And, uh, you know, and then Easy would be out doing stuff too, you know. Uh, Because you're out doing interviews, you're out, you know, doing a lot of different things. You're uh, uh, picking up checks, you're up at the label, you know, at the distributor. You know, know, there's a lot to do. You're not just sitting in an office all day. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys had uh, it down. You guys did your job for for sure. I mean, you had your hands full with the, you know, with the FBI letter and and everything and... um, you know, that was really something that, I mean, that was a, a brilliant thing. Did you know right away when you guys got that letter that, that that was a good opportunity to turn that into some some strong publicity? Well, 
I was concerned at first because I didn't know what all was going to happen, you know. I I was told to deal with the letter, and uh, I did. And uh, the movie didn't mention, you know, how it really went down, you know. But uh, the letter came in, and, uh, you know, I did what I do, you know, just, you know, uh, made sure the press was aware of it and exposed it. Um, my concern was that there was a lot of pressure, a lot of people back then trying to ban hip-hop and trying to get it off MTV and um, off the radio and all of this kind of thing. And my concern at the time was I didn't want the letter to be used for propaganda because there were uh, something like over a 1,000 record stores at that particular time that were refusing to sell uh, albums to minors if they had a warning sticker on them. And I didn't want this censorship campaign that was happening at the time to escalate. And so I wanted to make sh- my main concern was making sure the press understood it wasn't right for the FBI to be critiquing, to be, you know, play the role of music critic. And that uh, this was really a violation for the government to intimidate uh, recording artists in this manner or try to intimidate them, I should say. And that was my vantage point uh, because there were already radio stations saying, we're never going to play NWA, even the clean versions, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you, you want to do what you can uh, to be able to get your artist exposure in as many places as you can, you know. And back then, you know, there were a lot of people that were very hostile towards hip-hop. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it was something that was costing people money. I mean, sales, you know, when people couldn't get your record in a store, or people were afraid to carry your record. There were people that wouldn't carry that uh, straight out of Compton at the time. Yeah, so they were terrified of it. Yeah. So um, nobody had ever been that blunt about that topic on an album before. So my concern was making sure people understood how inappropriate the FBI letter was. And I got the point across. And that, and, that was uh, huge for hip hop. People don't yeah. even realize. That was yeah. before as nasty as they want to be came out. That was before Luther Campbell and Two Live Crew were dealing with it down there. You guys were like the predecessor for that. Well, you know, I think uh, Luke was dealing with EPA. it. I think I think Luke was dealing with it a little bit. Yeah. But it got, yeah, I'd say, yeah, we were first as far as getting hit really hard with that stuff. Yeah, that's probably true. And uh, 
but I didn't want us to be used as the our camp to be used as the excuse to ban anything. That was just not going to happen on my dime. You know, that letter to be used for propaganda purposes against hip hop. I I wasn't going to have it. And it, it actually, um, you know, it made more people aware of the group. And, um, you know, a lot of people who had similar instances with the police themselves, hey, I like these guys, you know. Yeah. They, they've been through yeah. what I've been through. So yeah. it spread I mean, like wildfire. We got letters. That. You know, there were letters that came in from all over the country from people. I imagine uh, um, you know a lot of support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember a letter coming in from Chicago from a preacher that supported the album. What did he say? Oh gosh, this was so long ago. But you know, he was saying that he knew there were people that wanted to ban the album, but what the group was talking about was a real issue. Uh, that people needed to start addressing, you know, and it couldn't be pushed under the carpet anymore. It's happening all over the country. Um, Yeah, and then the Rodney King verdict eventually happened. The Rodney King situation happened. And then the verdict, you know, the two verdicts, and, uh, yeah, this... You know, it was like it became like a theme song or an anthem. But not just for the West Coast. I mean, for all over the place. It still is an anthem to this day. You know, when when, uh, the situation happened with George Floyd and he was murdered, uh, the song went back on to the uh, charts. You know, the streaming charts, you know, blew up and it was in the top ten again. So, you know, and after the movie it was on the chart. So um, people have never forgotten that song. It's always been an anthem since it came out. Yeah, still relevant to this day, sadly. Um, Yeah. You know, still going on. Uh, as we've seen, rest in peace, Big Floyd. You know, it was horrible what happened to him. Um, we've had many people on the show who knew him. Uh, he was in the Scarface video. Um, uh, I forget the name of it a couple years ago. So he was, you know, he had ties in Houston. But, yeah, N.W.A. broke that wide open uh, before the Rodney King, like you said, happened. And um, <clears throat> it just, like you said, still relevant to this day. Now, um Fast forward a little bit, and, um, you know, we're back uh, uh this TV show. You know, you said you haven't seen it yet. It's coming out here in August. Um, August August 12th on WeTV. Yeah. And I, I, already know, I already know not to ask you things because out of respect, you know, I know the relationship, uh, uh, friendship you had with the Eazy-E. But um, I, I, will, I do want to ask you this, though. Leading up to his death, did you notice anything strange, uh, anything? uh, Was he acting differently at all or uh, almost as if maybe he knew something was going on? 
Um, yes and no. Um, I think, you know, he was working on putting, he was going to put NWA back together and there was going to be a reunion. Um, he was working on that. I mean, he had so much he was looking forward to do, you know. Uh, I know he was just very concerned that everything go well, you know. Um, He just wanted to make sure everything, you know, everybody was on board. They were going to stay down if they were down, you know, uh, that people were loyal, you know. Uh, all that kind of thing, but uh, no, I think I just think he was really focused on all the stuff he wanted to do um, because he was really excited about working on new music. You know. Yeah, you mentioned an NWA reunion. Did he did he say if at the time he was uh, talking again with Dre at all? Um. We didn't really go into a lot of specifics about Dre. I know if Dre hadn't done it, we had tracks with Dre. Uh, there were tracks Eric had um, that Dre music Dre had. So even if Dre wasn't involved, he still had his music still would have been on this um, on whatever album came out because. Uh, Eric owned that music because, you know, Dre was making that music at that time for Ruthless, you know, for Eric or NWA. So he, he had a lot of Dre's beats and stuff. He, he had, you know, music he could use from Dre, you know, and of course he had talked to Cube and they had an agreement, you know, and Yella and Ren were down, obviously. So it was going to happen, and it would have been huge, absolutely huge. You know, yeah. I, as I long as you had three members me. of the group, it could work. Three or four guys, you know, at any yeah. given time. Uh, even now, I think uh, you could use Easy E's kids um, to do his dad stuff. You know, if they didn't have COVID, and they could do a tour. Yellow's been traveling the globe, and he's been bringing a uh, little easy with him in E3. I think that's real stand-up of Yellow to do that, you know, because uh, oh, I always yeah. thought, well, why not utilize his kids, you know? Yeah. Um, well, DJ Yella is, you know, he's a really stand-up dude, you know. He's just really a great person. He's a nice guy, and, you know, he cares about people. He's like no drama. He doesn't have issues with anybody uh, you know, and he, you know, he just came out with his autobiography recently. Came out with his autobiography, uh, which is, you know, of course, titled "Straight Out of Compton" because you know Yella's from Compton, and really, I, I think Yella, out of anyone in NWA, was probably the one that was most close with Eric. He was the closest one with Eric, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, Yellow's book is phenomenal. Anybody that hasn't read it yet, I recommend you you uh, do so. Um, of course, it's available everywhere. Now, you're working the uh, PR for the book, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I was amazed at how much he could remember, because I sure can't remember that much from that far back. But, yeah, he he remember. yeah, and he talks about the McCullough Records days and all that. And, you know, it's it's really got quite a bit of history in there, uh, you know, about NWA and recording and the year he lived with Dr. Dre, you know. And really that year, I think, really did change the course of, you know, popular music, you know, the stuff that they were working on, Yella and Dre. Oh, yeah. You know, because they were producing together. I powered production. Uh-oh. That's one of the best production he, duos of all time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a really important part of music history. You know, it really is. It's, you know, because you can just trace like a, a tree back to where things, certain things come from. You know, and that's where it came from. The laboratory of Dre and Yella. Yeah, you know they they can definitely still do something. Um, Yella is hopeful for a reunion of some sorts. He would. Uh, he said even if he can just grab Ren and, and take a uh, little easy and, and the three of them go on the on the road together, that would be like a, a, a semi reunion, you know. And and uh, but he's hopeful that someday all of them will get together and you know. I hope they do it yeah. too, but I hope they don't add somebody in there uh, like an Eminem or something. You know, uh, if you're gonna have anybody do easy uh, verses, it should be his kids because they're dope and they sound just like their father. You know. Yeah, I know. Evie but, uh, worked a long time to make this documentary happen because I remember. Years and years ago, she was telling me she wanted to put this together. So, I mean, she worked really hard on putting this together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She um, she told us uh, uh, it was going to be a documentary called Ruthless Scandal, but instead, I guess, she went the route of a docu-series. And, uh, yeah. And we had her on the show, I think it was 2016. So hopefully we can get her on again, too. Um let me ask you this: uh, What are some of your fond memories of Jerry Heller? He, uh, his music history goes back, what to the uh, mid '60s, I believe. You know, Credence and all these groups, Rush. Um, what, what was it like working with him? What are some of your fondest memories of Jerry? I don't know if the word is fond uh, memories. I, I never thought of it like that. Uh, I think what we had in common was just the work itself. You know what I mean? It was more of a a comradeship, I guess you would call it, you know? Um, Jerry was uh, he was always hustling. Always hustling. Um, Gosh, what could I say about Jerry? Uh, a memory. I don't know. We had so many meetings. Oh my gosh. Um, I will say this: when there are people that want to connect him to whatever happened to Eric, 
and it's absolutely ridiculous, and I want to say this. Jerry Heller had more to lose than anybody else on the planet if Eric passed because they had their split, you know. They had their business deal. And, you know, uh, the idea that, you know, he did something to Easy is so stupid. Yeah, I guess, you know, the closer you are to the situation, the more stupid you see it is. But I wanted to throw that in there. But, um, gosh, um, I can't think of any particular memory because when I think about it just off the top of my head, you know, it was just work, 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 you know, working. You know, uh, he had a he lot of a... cool stories about, you know, uh, you know, just different things that I don't know if your listeners would find interesting or that they would. But, you know, just, you know, we talked a lot about different concerts and stuff, you know, because he had seen Jimi Hendrix and was backstage and just uh, all of these great artists. I can see Turner and, oh, my gosh you know, legends uh, that were just part of his everyday hobnobbing, you know. Um, He knew everybody. Oh, it was crazy. You mentioned a name and he knew him and could tell you a story. I think that's what I would say my memory of Jerry was. You know, he knew everybody in the business. You know, and you'd mention someone and he'd say, oh, he was just over at my house. And I think he had an awful lot of friends that were rappers that people didn't realize he had. I mean, you know, maybe people wouldn't talk about it, but there were always different rappers at his house in the mansion in Calabasas. There were always people over there that were rappers, you know. It wasn't just like, you know, he didn't know anybody but easy. I mean, there were a ton of people that were always in and out of that place. You you never knew who you were going to see. One time I was there, and uh, there was a really nice bottle of wine there. And, you know, he offered to share it, and you know, because we were all going to have lunch. And he goes, oh, yeah, uh, Steve Tyler from Aerosmith gave me this. You know, I was like, oh, you know, you know. Steve Tyler, oh, yeah, and then he'd go into some big story. You know, it was like that. That actually yeah. happened. Yeah, he was telling me about Credence. Uh, he was on an airplane flight with uh, John Fogarty, and uh, some guys on the plane were making fun of their long hair at the time. And when they got off the plane, he said, Fogarty went up to one of the guys and says, you want to do something now? Got in his face. And, you know, I, I was like, wow. Um, yeah. One time Jerry, he was talking uh, about Lee Michaels, and he's like, you know, Lee Michaels, and he goes, oh, I worked with him. I was like, oh, gosh. You know, just everybody. Yeah, he knew so many people. Yeah, Easy was like. You know, uh, it was weird because he was able to keep a really long career. I mean, you know. And, yeah. Uh, just a lot of people don't know he mortgaged his house. He took a mortgage out on his own house just to underwrite, you know, to pay for uh, NWA's first tour. 
I mean, how many, and at the time, NWA was a totally unknown group, totally unknown. And he mortgaged his house. I mean, he took that risk. So, I mean, the guy was just, he was pretty smart when it came to business, you know, music business. He was pretty smart. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, he definitely... Uh... I can understand why uh, Easy wanted to work with him and learn from him. All that experience, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he even showed Eric how to start a bank account. I mean, just everything. He He tried to teach Eric everything he knew about business. When, um, you know, him and E had such a great relationship, um, you know, I can imagine how he took it when he passed. Um, Wasn't They were friends. They were uh, uh, buddies. Yeah. His kids, some of his kids consider him like a grandfather. Um, Yeah, they do. You know. But, yeah. uh, he definitely, uh, yeah, he definitely was a, a legend in his own right, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, rest in peace to him as well. Um, but this, uh, this show drops in August, and, um, is there anything that, um, you know, you, you took from it, from the whole experience, um, that made you, uh, you know, think about anything differently or, or what can we expect basically let me rephrase that what can we expect um from this docuseries i know you said you haven't seen it but from your take what do you think we're going to see well i think people are going to see some of the stuff he had to deal with and the pressures just different pressures you know and uh I think people are going to feel like they know him a little bit better. Um, having watched this, and they'll have a little bit, yeah, closer insight into him. And you know, hopefully, we'll learn more about what happened to him at the end. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. That's something that uh, people uh, talk about on, on my channel all the time, um, and, and many other channels, too. People have, just like with Tupac, you know, people have their theories and whatnot. Um, I just hope the family gets closure at some point in time. I hope the yeah. uh, kids get answers. Because when you see the preview, I know it's a lot of pain you for those just kids. fall into pieces, you know, um, that type of pain to not know your father, you know, um, only for a couple years of your life to carry that around your whole life, that's got to be devastating. Yeah, yeah. And I know Easy really loved his kids. He did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You see it in the pictures, you know, that they post. Yeah. Um, He seems like he's definitely at his most happiest yeah. Yeah. Well, um I look forward to this show. Um uh, 
and I thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me again. Um, you know, it's a, it's always an honor, and it was an honor, um, you know, covering uh, your artists in the Murder Dog and different magazines over the years as well. Um, let me ask you about this while I got you on the line. Uh, there was uh, you did you did publicity obviously for the Ghetto Boys and stuff and uh, Willie D had yeah, this for about twenty years all total uh, yeah. Oh, Pardon me. What is the name of that group? Uh, Huntsville. Yeah, that Willie D had. Yeah, Huntsville. Yeah, I did an interview with them uh, for the Murder Dog. For whatever reason, Black Dog didn't print it. You know, sometimes uh, he leaves a lot of things on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um, and Willie D, you know, when I went to interview him, he, he he mentioned that, you know, and I was like, hey, I have no control over what the editor does, you know. I just do the interview and that's it. But what was the deal with those guys? They were pretty controversial. They were. Yeah, they had a really controversial video, and I, I told Willie I didn't. I really strongly suggested they not put out the video they had um, because there was, there was, I don't really want to go into it at this time because, it, you know, it's water under the bridge. But, yeah, they had a really controversial video, you know. Really, con- no yeah, one I, has I ever yeah, done I the video totally that they guys. did. What? I totally forgot about those guys. You know, I just remembered them, um, and I always wondered what happened to them. You know, no um, idea. You got to ask Willie. Yeah, yeah, I got to get Willie, uh, Willie on the line. I think it's great days. that uh, Willie D and Scarface they have a YouTube channel. They've been, you know, yes. there's a like a Ghetto Boys revived uh, channel on YouTube, and I think it's great and. You know, uh, Willie's always been political, always going back to when I first met him, like, what, 1990 or something, 89, 90. And, uh, you know, Scarface has always got really insightful things to say. You know, really smart guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Scarface, uh, he, we almost lost him, uh, you know, when he got hit with the COVID, he said it blew his kidneys out. And he, yeah. he was on dialysis. And uh, so it's good to see him back, you know. Yeah, um, I was real worried. Because we lost Reddy Red and then Bushwick Bill, you know, one right after the other. Um, yeah. You know, so that's half of the four mug shots, if you remember that classic album cover. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, what is, let me ask you this, though. Let's try to merge, you know, Ruthless and Rap a lot, just for the fans for a second here. Um, what did Easy say about the Ghetto Boys when he heard them come out? Did he? Uh, did you hear ever hear him talking about them? You know, weirdly enough, we never talked about that. We just never, uh, I think he was more, you know, when we would talk, he Stuff, but we didn't really talk about them But I know when he came over He'd see my plaques Let me think if I had those plaques yet Yeah I, I Yeah it, You know uh, At least one or two ghetto
Hey, Phyllis, are you there? I think no. we, uh, we lost you. Can you hear me, Phyllis? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I lost you about the last uh, 10 or 15 oh. seconds. You said he's oh, seen I'm the sorry. plaque? Yeah. Phyllis, can you hear me? Yeah, I lost you, Phyllis, again. I didn't hear anything you said. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on. Can you hear me? I can hear you, like, but you're fading, you know, in and out. I can barely. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now I can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Somebody was interfering with us. They heard us talking about fuck the police earlier, I guess. I don't know. Um, Technical difficulties. But uh, you said that uh, Easy saw plaques. Oh, I I had one time he made a comment about I had some ghetto boys plaques up on the wall. And he, you know, but it wasn't, we didn't talk about the ghetto boys. We just talked about the plaques. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just just wondered if he ever said anything about them. Because that that four uh, uh, mugshot album, that was so hardcore. I mean, that thing was... uh, it was it was really I remember bad. I mean, they had to put a, yeah. a special warning on that album. Shock, yeah, I remember Shock G talking about the album cover. Yeah, rest in peace to Shock G, another one. Mm. Yeah. You know, so yeah. many. And then, uh, just last, uh, what was it, last week, uh, Dusty Hill is Easy Top. You know, mm-hmm. that's horrible. But uh, but Phyllis, uh, I don't want to uh, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me again. I appreciate you. And uh, before we get out of here, uh, is there anything you want to say? Any shout outs or anything you want no, to just, check out? No, uh, just check out DJ Yella's book, uh, Straight Out of Compton, and uh, you know check out on We TV August twelfth, Mysterious Death at EVE. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll take 